Well, how are y'all doing today? This is Rico, and this is the Trexan Sci-Fi Podcast. <laughs> Did you think you were tuning into something uh, else for a minute there? Uh, I'll explain that music uh, shortly on the show, but this is Trexan Sci-Fi, and I'm Rico, Podcast 235 for July the 12th, 2009. Going to have a fun show. Going to cover an animated Star Trek episode, uh, talk about some recent uh, movies and things that I've seen, uh, other sci-fi that's going on on the Sifa channel now, as it's called. Uh, <laughs> new show started uh, Warehouse 13 this past week. I'll be talking about that. Probably going to slide a collectible towards the end of the show as well. So uh, sit back and relax. Uh, what I'm going to play here at the beginning, uh, kind of during our opening kind of credit music, is something a little different. The music is uh, by a group called Gold Frap. And the, the thing, or the reason that I'm playing this is uh, with the sci-fi, S-C-I-F-I, changing to the S-Y-F-Y, oh gosh, uh, channel, uh, they created this very cool uh, video promo uh, that includes some uh, different stars from their various shows. It's very slick. I, I put it up in, on my YouTube uh, account. You can find it there. Just search for uh, SYFY promo or something, or I'll try to link it in the podcast notes. Anyway, they use this uh, song called Happiness by this group called Gold Frap. And it, this song is just great, and it, it really, to me, uh, can kind of lift you up and uh, make you happy just hearing it. So anyway, I'm going to play some of it here at the opening of the show. I'll be right back uh, with more Treks in Sifai. Here to welcome you 
Yeah, again, so that is, uh, it's a little hard, to, you know, with just the music playing uh, to get a lot out of that, but I urge you all to, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, just go over to YouTube uh, and type in uh, S-Y-F-Y, uh, House of Imagination ad, or something like that, and you'll you'll pull up all kinds of hits for this. It's about two minutes, 40 seconds, the whole promo. Uh, just, it, it's really well done, really amazingly put together. I love how they integrated, uh, you know, the different casts from Eureka, the new Warehouse 13. There's even a few people in there from uh, Stargate Universe, which won't start until the fall, I believe, on Sci-Fi. So uh, still, just let's just still call it sci-fi. I mean, you kind of say those letters the same way, don't you? I guess. <laughs> anyway, the, again, the, the this promo though is a lot of fun to watch, I, I, and uh, there's all kinds of other people from other shows on the network. Yeah, other uh, people from uh, shows like Scare Tactics, the Tracy Jordan, uh, who's also on Thirty Rock, uh, the Ghost Hunter guys. It's just. A very cool commercial and a lot of fun to see. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this all works out. It's just a name to begin with, you know, sci-fi to sci-fi. Uh, a few different letters, but um, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I've also heard there's kind of a rumor floating around that uh, they're looking for another space opera type TV show. Uh, I thought, kind of thought that they were thinking or, or going to... Uh, you know, have, uh, you know, Stargate Universe, also Caprica, although Caprica I don't think has been, they, they did sort of a pilot movie, but I don't think a series has been greenlit, you know, that they're doing that necessarily yet. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's some rumor stuff floating around, though. They, they might even be interested in doing a Star Trek series, so who knows where, uh, you know, when, if we get another Trek series, where it'll end up. Will it end up on... S-Y-F-Y, will it end up in syndication like TNG and the other shows? Will it end up on a network uh, like CBS? Uh, I don't know. I, I personally kind of think that uh, it would end up on CBS. CBS owns Star Trek now. Uh, they could certainly use a show like that to, to appeal to, I think, a younger group, an audience, uh, and spread out their their viewership uh, age range a little bit Uh uh, anyway, the, uh, the what was I going to say else about that? Um, so I kind of think if a new Trek series came about, I think that CBS would, would take it. I still kind of firmly believe we won't see another Trek series. This is just me thinking out loud and, and, and weighing all the things that I've heard and know. I don't think until at least one more movie comes out in a couple of years. I don't think there'll be any kind of new Trek series before that. I don't think... I don't think they really want to do that right now. I think they want to see how this continues to go, you know, and then decide, well, do we make a new Trek series sort of based in the universe that they set up with the movie uh, or something completely different? Who knows? But uh, we've talked about that quite a bit, so I'm not going to right now. I'm going to take just a little break, wet my whistle, which I need some uh, little green tea here. And uh, I'll play a little uh, promo for you. So uh, I'll be right back. Once you've finished listening to the excellent Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, why don't you pop over to our podcast? We're called Waffle On. And every few weeks, we'll be discussing a classic television show broadcast on British TV between 1960 and 1990. And we'll be talking about British-made, US-made and Australian-made shows. So come Waffle On with us at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Or simply head to iTunes and type in Waffle On. We'd be honoured if you'd join us. 
Yeah, definitely check out Meds uh, and his friend's uh, podcast uh, on Podbean, uh, Waffle On. It's a great show. They talk about all kinds of cool British stuff. And I, I just always love listening to uh, the way those guys talk. Uh, speaking of accents and things, uh, you know, I played at the beginning of the show that little bit of music uh, there. Hang on one second. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Kaylee decided to come down and visit. Uh, so if you hear a little rustling around, that'll be her. Anyway, what I yeah, I played the, that music at the beginning, uh, Dixie's Land. It's by the Second South Carolina String Band. Uh, it's um, well, I'm going in two days. On Tuesday this week, on uh, July 14th, I'm flying down to uh, interview with a, a good size, nice uh, company. Looks uh, like a promising job in South Carolina. Yes, uh, so I'm flying down from uh, Detroit early that morning and coming back late that evening. Hopefully things will go well. It looks like a job that's well-suited towards me. I'm not going to say that much. I'm trying to stay calm about the whole thing. Uh, but uh, it's a company that I've had. Uh, I've talked to on the phone a little bit. And, well, we'll see how things go. Maybe uh, something a big changes will be in the air here. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how it all works out. I'll keep everyone posted. But I thought uh, it would be kind of fun to get into the uh, a little bit into the mood and, and play some of that uh, southern style uh, string band uh, music uh, from the land of Dixie. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. When you live down there for a while, do you get an accent like that? I'll have to ask Jen and uh, other people that live in the South uh, that listen to the show. I never thought she really has much of one, but uh, even though I think she's lived down there most of her life, so let us continue. There are four of us and one of you. We'll get some more guys and then it'll be an even fight. You can settle for an ordinary life. I dare you to do better. Nice ride, huh? Cheers. Look out now, Mr. Cook. You got it. There's another one of those cool TV spots for the movie Star Trek still playing in some theaters. Uh, It is uh, really doing well for Paramount. Uh, They have actually been, again, this year, the first studio, uh, Paramount Pictures, uh, to pass the $1 billion uh, domestic ticket sales mark. Over half of that is from two movies alone, Star Trek and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, Both of these films uh, obviously are doing very well for them. And it's uh, going to be a big year for them. Next uh, week, in, the, in just a few days, we've got Warner Brothers coming out with the Harry Potter movie, which will be, uh, I'm sure, a big uh, hit and, and a little competition for Paramount. But, uh, you know, they've had their chance. They, Star Trek came out quite a bit earlier, and Transformers has been out now, what, two weeks or so, two and a half, something like that. So, uh, it's just, again, a great year for them, and it's good to see this. It just keeps putting more money into their accounts for uh, future movies. You know, I, I enjoyed the Transformers sequel, too. So, and some people, I, you know, kind of were so-so on it. I, I just, it is what it is for that uh, kind of a movie. I don't know what else you'd expect. Uh, it, but I've talked about, I think, that a little bit before. So, 
the movie is still playing, continue doing pretty well. I think it's about 10th place lately in, in, in the uh, ratings each week, which isn't too bad considering it's been out since the beginning of May, and now we're two months later, right? It's uh, July 12th, a little more than two months later since it came out. So uh, I'd like to still see it one more time. I keep saying that, and I just... I've been busy with doing some things around the house and, and, you know, the job stuff and everything. So I haven't really had a shot to get out. Maybe next week, later in the week or something, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. It's still at some theaters around me, not playing at a lot of different theaters or a lot of different times or choices, but it would be good, 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 good. <laughs> uh, I got I to not do that on Tuesday when everyone out there uh, will be thinking good thoughts for me, right, uh, when I'm down south. But uh, it's still doing well, and uh, it would still be good to see one more time in the theaters. All hands, this is the captain speaking. Starfleet has confirmed reports that Romulus was destroyed two weeks ago by an ultranova in the adjacent Toba system. The colonies and subjugated worlds that survived are in need of humanitarian aid. Arabella has been assigned to a convoy that will cross the neutral zone in order to provide assistance. We are uncertain of the reception we will receive, but it is likely, it is likely we will be met with resistance from the Romulan people. They won't want to accept charity from the Federation, but the captain says we should be prepared to accept evacuees and deal with confrontations with rogue members of the military. Security teams will need to be ready at a moment's notice. We'll we will begin, begin drills at 0800 to prepare. Sick bay may be inundated with ill and wounded. I don't want my department to be overwhelmed. Many of you were a part of the staff aboard the Tiberius. You were seasoned veterans. I know you are fully capable of handling this situation. Shields up. Red alert. Captain, our shields cannot take much more. Beyond the neutral zone, the Romulan people suffer in chaos. The Hobus Ultra Nova laid waste to their fractured empire. Stability has crumbled, and infrastructure ravaged. Friend and foe amass in shadows, waiting to pick their bones. Yet the Federation takes nothing but their burdens. These are the voyages of Arabella, the flagship of the Seventh Fleet. Its mission, to defend the helpless, to render aid where needed, to befriend a former enemy, to boldly go where no Starfleet vessel has gone before. Season 10 of the Arabella Fan Fiction and RPG begins June 26th on the Trex and Sci-Fi Forum. Read along as the story progresses every day or be entertained as you listen to the Treks and Sci-Fi microcast, The Ready Room, as we dramatically read a chapter each week. Yes, we have uh, started the last couple of weeks, Season 10 of the RPG game over at uh, treksandsci-fi.com. Just go to the forums, sign up and be a member. If you're not, uh, you should be if you listen to the show. We have uh, just a great group of people, great writing, very uh, just... Uh, so much fun and details, you know, you, you can do as much as you'd want in this RPG game if you wanted to join up or, or you know, post uh, every day or post every week or whatever. We're, we're welcoming anyone still uh, that wants to sign up. So uh, check us out. 
How about the news in the world of sci-fi? Stay tuned. Two top government agents have just been reassigned. You're to be in South Dakota at those coordinates at noon tomorrow? To the middle of nowhere. This summer. Welcome to Warehouse 13. What is this place? The unknown. You're both joining me as fellow gatherers and protectors of secrets. Has an address. Oh, damn. It must be super fun on a date. That's cool. A sci-fi original series, Warehouse 13, premieres Tuesday, July 7th at 9. That was the uh, a little promo there for the new sci-fi show, uh, Warehouse 13, which premiered just this past Tuesday on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's uh, going to air Tuesdays uh, pretty much this summer uh, on, it's, I think, 9. It was a 9 p.m. show. Yeah, I think it, I watched it via TiVo, so time doesn't mean much. Uh, but it, basically, you heard in the promo there, it's exactly what it sounds like. There's a couple FBI agents yeah, well, this is kind of patterned after some other shows they've done in the past. Uh, things like X Files come to mind, Hangar 18, uh, even those uh, those librarian uh, TV movies that you, they've done. I think three of with Noah Wiley. Basically, there's these two FBI agents uh, played by uh, Eddie McClintock, who's Pete Latimer, and Joanne Kelly, who's Micah Baring, they uh, kind of have an uneasy partnership. I think they have mutual respect for each other, but it's, you know, it's one of those situations where one of them's kind of more intuitive, one of them's a little more by the book, and that kind of stuff, uh, much like the Scully Mulder team up from the X-File days. And they are reassigned to uh, work with this guy named Artie, Artie Nielsen, who's played by Saul Rubinick, who shows up in a lot of things, and he's a great character actor. Anyway, he oversees, he's kind of the caretaker of this huge warehouse of artifacts, uh, you know, some mystical, magical, some sci-fi-ish, you know, who knows where they all came from. Uh, but uh, they are uh, assigned to this place to both protect things and retrieve things. It, it looks like the, the first episode they went out on a mission to get this artifact that had been uh, detected in this area, uh, I think they had to go to Iowa. The warehouse is located out in the boonies, pretty much in the badlands of, like, South Dakota. So they're really in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the female character, Micah, she tries to get out of it a lot. I'm not going to give away it too much. But I think it's going to be a really a fun show. It, it's it's very well done, uh, put together well. Uh, the stories, you know, they can do all different kinds of stories, obviously. So uh, so we'll see. And the actors are very appealing. I found that the, the two main leads had a good chemistry together uh, when I watched it. So check it out. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, sci-fi stuff ends up on Hulu. So you might be able to see it there if you miss the pilot. Uh, and uh, they may be rebroadcasting it, but uh, that is on the Sci-Fi Channel on Tuesday nights. And also this week, Eureka returned. Friday night came back uh, with a new episode, and uh, a really fun show, and and I always enjoy watching it. Uh, The characters are fun, and the stories are well done. It's it's just a lot of fun to see that, and it's it's fairly lighthearted. I mean, there's some serious things that happen, but it's it's got a certain kind of humor to it that uh, I enjoy, so... So there you go, two new, uh, or one returning and one new uh, show for the Sci-Fi Channel, Warehouse 13 and Eureka. It's been called the best sci-fi fandom documentary since Trekkies. 
Four stars, says Brian Orndorff of DVDTalk.com. Costume, gaming, comics, collecting, and everything else in between. If you're a fanboy, you've gotta see Pegwars. The geeks shall inherit the earth. Well, there's still the stereotype out there that we're a bunch of geeks who live in our parents' basements. 35-year-old living in the mom's basement, yes. Uh, that's the typical stereotype. I'm in my mid-30s and I still read comics and I tell people that I read comics and they look at me sideways. You know, I don't volunteer that I played in me because, you know, people do sometimes look at you like, hmm. Today I'm dressed up as a Jedi Knight. Jedi Knights are the uh, guardians of peace and justice and uh, in a time like this I think we need uh, more of them. A lot of us are geeks who live in our parents' basements, but, you know, we're harmless. We don't walk around with uh, propellers on top of our hats. It's not really anything to be ashamed about. Yes, I make lightsabers in my basement. I don't care who knows. We do it because we like it, not as much as because somebody else likes it. If they want to have fun, dress up as a Klingon, why not? You, know? you may think I'm a geek or a loser, but I'm having fun at it. It's, it's what makes me happy, and I, you know, I, I could be spending my money on crack. Ordinary, common, average, running the mill, these are synonyms for, for normal. Who the hell wants to be average? I know that I'm a loser, I know that I'm a geek, but it makes me happy. <laughs> hey! Yeah, I talked to Jason, uh, who did the Peg Warmers uh, documentary a few weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, definitely go, you know, go over to pegwarmers.tv right now and and buy a copy. It's it's a great thing to watch, and it shows these people are are uh, you know just just like everyone else and having a good time and you know going to these charity events and putting on costumes and battling it out. Uh, you know, in, in the the medieval times for some of them. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to watch. A really well done show. And I think Jason, I think I had said and when we talked about it, I think he's going to do maybe a follow-up sometime. But get the first one, Peg Warmers, over at pegwarmers.tv. I also wanted to mention, I don't know if I did before, but uh, the good friend of the show, Rick Moyer, has a new a multimedia site uh, for a lot of video and little jingle spots and graphics and all kinds of things that he's doing and started this business, uh, it's over. Again, you can find this at uh, MoyerMultimedia.com. And, again, it's all done by Rick Moyer. I just, uh, through my Rad Visions little business, put together and helped him with the website. Uh, but uh, if you need anything, uh, you know, done, uh, a little video, a promo, some music, uh, some graphic work, anything like that at all, check out Rick's site over at MoyerMultimedia.com. And if you need a website done, you can go over to RadVisions, R-A-D-Visions.com, and check out what I've done, and uh, I'd be happy to help you out with your website. Okay, uh, that's uh, most of the news information, other little doodad and things that I had to talk about. Uh, I just wanted to uh, mention one uh, quick little movie that I saw that I thought was uh, was fun, not the greatest movie ever. I don't think I mentioned this on last week's show that I can remember. Uh, anyway, I saw Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Uh, and if I did mention this, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. It's been, uh, it's been complicated the last couple of weeks. Anyway, this starred Kristen Kruk. Kruik, however you say your name, who played Lana on Smallville. 
Uh, she plays this sort of Asian type character, you know, people who know the Street Fighter thing from the video game. She plays Chun Li. Uh, it, it's not really, you know, a heavy movie at all, but I thought they did a pretty good job with it. And I think I did maybe mention this before because one thing, or maybe I was just talking to a friend of mine and didn't do it on the podcast, but one thing I liked about this movie is they, they set quite a bit of it in um, in Thailand, I think, in Bangkok in that area. And I, I don't know if they actually went there. I didn't watch the credits closely enough to know if they actually did go there, but it sure looked like it. Just the little streets and things that she's walking around in parts of this and the little street vendors that are, you know, always making some neat little food or dish. And you could go and, and like when I was in Taiwan, I, you would see that too, just walk up and down the streets, collect little uh, little trinkets or buy little things and, and shirts and, and jewelry and whatever you'd like, umbrellas. I remember having to buy an umbrella because of the, you know, it rains so often. Uh, yeah, but it wouldn't rain for very long, but it sure would rain hard uh, sometimes. But, uh, you know, again, Street Fighter, Legend of Chun-Li, uh, kind of hokey and, 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 again, not the greatest movie ever, ever but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Don't watch another one that I watched just this past week, Dark Wolf from about five or six years ago, kind of a werewolf movie with probably the worst special effects. I could do better on my computer and uh, really bad acting and, and just an, uh, an awful movie. I don't know. It slipped into my Netflix queue. I, I, I must have seen it and been searching for a werewolf movie sometime and just clicked it in there. And eventually it, you know, sometimes how things, you know, work their way up your Netflix list and then eventually they show up in your mailbox and you go, what was I thinking? Why did I get this movie or put it on my list? Anyway, uh, Dark Wolf, do not watch that movie. Okay, that's it. Let's get into uh, Star Trek, the animated series. The episode that we're going to cover is The Slaver Weapon, and I'll talk more about that as we go here. So let's get into uh, our animated episode of Star Trek, which I haven't covered one of these in a while, which I wanted to do again. Uh, I used to do this sometimes as a midweek show, but uh, that kind of slipped away after a while. Anyway, here we go. Star Trek, the animated series, the episode from Season 1. The Slaver Weapon. Okay, here we go with the opening uh, credits. Space, the final frontier. Now, they did a good job of mimicking the original credits for this These animated the sequence. The very much like the original series it's did. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah, I can still remember watching some of these when they first aired on Saturdays, although I think I saw most of them in reruns later on. Uh, I didn't catch them all, I think, the first time through. This episode is, uh, let's see, it's in season one. It is... Uh, the slaver weapon uh, more towards the end of the first season like the third from the last episode of the season the interesting thing here is it's written by Larry Niven a very respected science fiction author uh, so I, uh, I think this one has some neat elements in it and I wanted to cover it first officer's log stardate 4187.3 the Enterprise shuttlecraft Copernicus is en route to Starbase 25 with an important cargo, a slaver stasis box discovered by archaeologists on the planet Kazin. 
These stasis boxes are the most remarkable thing the slavers ever produced. Time stands still inside a stasis box. A billion years means nothing in there. What is it, Lieutenant? I've studied the history of the slaver empire, but it's sketchy. We know they were masters of all the intelligent beings in this galaxy a billion years ago, until one race revolted. Are the stasis boxes the only source of information we have? The slavers and all their subjects were exterminated in the war that followed. Intelligent life had to evolve all over again. The stasis boxes are the only remnant of Kind of reminds me of the, uh, the ancient ones, you know, like on the Stargate universe, these slavers, like this idea of this super advanced race from the past uh, that's gone now. Yeah, now the box on the, uh, in the Sulu, episode is kind is of glowing. Position? It's detected Passing something Lira, else. Sir. 142 degrees northeast of galactic plane. Most peculiar. This indicates there is another stasis box circling Beta Lyrae. Another one? It would be most illogical that a stasis box would remain here undiscovered for so long. Beta Lyrae is one of the rare spectacles of the galaxy. Almost every ship that passes stops to see it. Maybe no one else was carrying a stasis box detector. Possible. The only known stasis box detector is another stasis box. That Still. gets a little redundant after Mr. a Mr. Sulu. <laughs> yes, sir? Bring us about. We'll investigate the Beta Lyrae system. Aye, aye, sir. Keep an eye on, you know, they, they introduced the, you know, the shuttle uh, Copernicus here, which uh, keeps the trend the of only Enterprise of shuttlecraft named after explorers and things ago. like uh, Galileo, Copernicus, inventor, scientist. In one was found a flying belt, which was the key to the artificial gravity field used by starships. Another box contained a disruptor bomb with the pin pulled. As a result, all stasis boxes are now under the jurisdiction of Starfleet, and only certain key specialists handle them. The boxes are rare, potentially dangerous, and we seem to have found a second one. So they landed on this uh, planet uh Moon, I don't know what it was supposed to be. I never did like these little ice-bound worlds. We are not tourists here, Lieutenant. They have to wear Mr. these sort Spock, of environmental if it fields takes a stasis around them. Box to find another stasis box. How kind of this glow that they have one? around their bodies with to a keep them protected. Discoveries. Purely by accident, Lieutenant. The other box seems to be almost under us, perhaps 30 meters below the ice. We won't have any trouble digging for it. In this low pressure, the ice should boil as soon as the phase is melted. Okay, now there are these alien cat-like uh, people that have just shown up, the Kazinti. Sort of uh, another villain that they introduced in this episode. I must take full responsibility. And now they all for this got event. phasered, stunned. Instead of being warned by the highly unlikely coincidence of a second stasis box, I allowed its possible value to influence my judgment. The Kazinti now possess our stasis box. Its contents will determine how much damage my error has done the Federation and its people. <sighs> Where are Let's we? Let's talk, Spock. Just spacecraft. get out of there. That isn't good. Kazinti aren't supposed to have phasers, are they? The Treaty of Sirius does not permit them any weapons at all, beyond police vessels. 
Obviously, the treaty has been broken. A police web. We won't be able to move unless we can turn it off somehow. Oh, yeah, they're basically prisoners of these cat-like people. Uh, looked a lot like Mares, uh, even though she's not Kazinti, she's Cation. Is a reader of minds. I've heard all Kazinti telepaths are unhappy neurotics. He fits the description. There is no sure way to guard our thoughts from him. Mr. Sulu, he's not likely to deal with me or Lieutenant Uhura. She and I are inferior beings to them. But the Kazindi are meat eaters. If you sense him reading your mind, think of eating a raw vegetable. Yes, sir. Maybe I can goad them into revealing their purpose. Lieutenant Uhura, this may be crucial. In the presence of the Kazindi, do not say anything. Do not do anything startling. Try to look harmless. Any special reason? Are you forgetting Kazindi females are dumb animals? In an emergency, the Kazinti may forget a human female is an intelligent creature. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Lieutenant, I value your intelligence, but we may be able to seize an opportunity to escape. And if this was the escape. movie version of if the animated the series, they'd be kissing by now, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Identify yourself. Lieutenant Sulu of the Starfleet Vessel Enterprise. This is First Officer Spock. You're a Vulcan. I feel no pressing need to talk to an eater of roots and leaves. Humans, at least, are omnivorous. I am Chuffed Captain. You are prisoners aboard the privateer Traitor's Claw, a stolen police vessel. Stealing must be a habit with I'm you. I'm pretty sure it's James Dewan doing the voice of the Kazinti Chuffed Kizinti Captain. archaeologists found both boxes, but the one we managed to keep with so many of these voices well on the animated to draw show. You here. But the slavers had weapons that could devastate a galaxy. There could be one in that box. The Kazenti fought four wars with humankind and lost all of them. The last one was 200 years ago, and you haven't learned a thing since. Guard your speech. None of my crew has yet tasted human meat as our ancestors did. We would welcome the opportunity. Yummy. Always you have had superior equipment. We seek a weapon that will defeat you at last. Then you're really working for the Kazenti government. The records will show the Trader's Claw is a stolen police ship. If we are captured, the highest of Kazin will repudiate us. But if we succeed, you are meat for our tables. And now they're, uh, they're working on trying to open the uh, stasis box. They managed to uh, get Can it open. Be a picture of a slaver? If so, it is the first ever discovered. There's a sort of weird kind of lizard-like creature. It looks like fresh meat. Over a billion years in that box, and it looks fresh. Ah! Nothing like this has ever been found. We are the only ones who have it. Look at it, human. They pulled out some kind of well pistol-like device. It looks like some kind of a weapon. The title of the episode, The Slaver Weapon. You get it? <laughs> it's kind of a green, like, uh, First blaster-looking thing. Supplemental. The Kazinti now possess a weapon potentially deadly to the entire galaxy. The extent of its power remains to be seen. 
Have the humans move to the surface and be sure they're secured in the police web. We will use them to test the weapon. Yes, Trump Captain. You have observed the aliens. Can you read their minds? I can read Sulu with difficulty, Chuck Captain. The other human is only a female. The third is a pacifistic herbivore. Surely you would not force me to delve such minds. If it is necessary, I realize the time you need to recover from each effort. So now they've taken them back out onto the uh, surface of the planet that they're on. And they've got this sort of uh, web uh, field Chuff that they Captain, put them on to keep them We secured. have finished testing the meat that was in the stasis box. It is protoplasmic and poisonous. What of the picture? The human, Sulu, believes it to be a slaver. So do I. It would have made a worthy enemy. Perhaps the toggle. So now they're uh, playing with this weapon, and there's a slide on it that puts different settings and makes it transform into a different look. Which I think Tell was kind of interesting, you know, Am that I not you can have different uh, modes right that it operates. No, just Captain. He hears a faint whine, but he feels no ill effects. There is a vibration in the metal of his belt. Chuffed Captain. He is too alien. He makes me taste yellow root munched between flat teeth. Be glad if you need not read the Vulcan's mind. <sighs> it may be a communications device or a sonic stunner designed to affect members of a race now dead. A good serviceable telescope. They built well, these slavers. It is of no use to us. We already have small telescopes. So each time again, they're they're testing this out and getting different looks to the weapon. I give you credit, human. You are not afraid to die. Merely a laser. The Federation has had a more effective model for over 100 years. When he changed the uh, device, it, it uh, became uh, like it emits a flame and it's moving him around almost like it's some kind of a, a jet uh, propulsion system. Telepath suit is ruptured. Never mind that. The female is escaping. What of it? Fool. Human females are intelligent. Shh. Oh, she didn't get very far, though. They zapped her. Telepath suit lost considerable pressure. We reached the ship in time to save him. Good. We will need him later. What is this? Perhaps a personal rocket motor. One could place one's foot on the pedals and balance. It appears to be transportation, not a weapon. Nice try. I'm slowing down. I used to run the hundred in record time. How long was I out? Did I miss much? Not much. <laughs> a lot of good they'll get out of that rocket setting. We are fortunate none of the settings so far have been superior to the technology now available to the Federation. Uh-oh. No they, gun sight. They've got no one way new device here setting. Mr. Spock. It, it seems to have disabled things. Move. The electronics. So could I. The police web is off. 
The fifth setting seems to be an energy absorber. Fascinating. I had no idea the slavers had such things. Mr. Spock, we... Yes. When I give the word, make for the shuttle. Remember to zigzag. Ready? Go. I always enjoyed the music, too, on this uh, animated show. You know, well done, dramatic. Spock knocked into the Kazinti to get the weapon away from them, and now they're running to their shuttle. And Uhura's down. Just Captain, what happened? I would rather not discuss it. Help me into the ship. Oh, yeah. Spock kicked him in the side. Chuff Captain pretty good, so. Mr. Spock, I thought it was one of the aliens. I have the weapon. They've got Uhura and subspace radio. They can call for help from the Kazin planet if they think the weapon's worth it. No. They cannot. Or rather, will not. Why? Because I kicked Shuffed Captain. Consider, Shuffed Captain has been attacked by an herbivorous pacifist, an eater of leaves and roots. That's not going to go One who well. traditionally does not fight. And the ultimate insult, I left him alive. Shuffed Captain's honor is at stake. He must seek personal revenge before he can call for help. Yeah, that gives us some time. Kazinti are, are patterned a you lot off of the Klingons, obviously. Of as you long know, as you stay free, they're, the they're warriors. Can't or won't do anything. And but they, they have a great uh, sense of honor and everything. Agreed. And plus, even their name However, starts with a K. Point, we have not seen anything more powerful than equipment Starfleet already has. Yes. But I have a feeling, Mr. Spock, this weapon must have belonged to a spy, an espionage agent. I acknowledge your expertise in the field of weapons, Mr. Sulu. But I do not see how you can determine probable ownership. Well, here, look at it. All these settings. We don't know a common slaver soldier couldn't handle them. But as a weapon, only the laser is effective. The others aren't necessary for the line soldier's one purpose, to destroy the enemy. Assuming it's a spy weapon, then, the slavers would have wanted to keep it a secret weapon. If so, it is logical to assume it has a self-destruct setting, too. But we've seen all the phases. Perhaps not. There is the null setting. It seems to do nothing. But why should it be there? It does not correspond to a safety lock. It may be the key to another setting. Now the uh, Kazinti have took off in their Mr. ship Sulu. and are heading towards we Spock. the female prisoner. Will you bargain, or must we take harsh action? It will not be pleasant for her. And one more act to go, and uh, we have the female prisoner as their ship is kind of pink. You have something we want. <laughs> we will trade her life for the slaver weapon. Answer him, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Sulu here. What about Mr. Spock? He must surrender. I will offer him single combat. Not interested. I am as the Falcon left me, with two ribs broken. I have not set them nor bandaged myself. He may conceivably kill me. Kazinti ribs have some vertical bracing, but I kicked him over one heart. 
I compute the odds of my defeating Shuffed Captain in combat at 16 to 1 against. Offer refused. They think very little of you. Wrong. They don't think much of you. A self-destruct mechanism would not have a gun sight. No. Let's see what this yes. does do. Sulu found another setting on it. When he shoots it, you can't give him that. Pretty much like creates a fascinating monster-sized explosion. No world in the Federation has produced anything so powerful. Almost beyond theoretical limits. Total conversion of matter to energy at a distance. If the Kazenti had that, the whole galaxy would be their dinner table. Hit the dirt! Or it hurt, hit the ice is really but Now the uh, explosion that they set off kind of blew them around and knocked them out. And they got caught again and back up on the Kazinti vessel. What would this be? I have no idea. It is generating power. Now they found one more setting with the grid. device. It may be another communications device. But that seems redundant. It has a Kazinti frightened. The Kazinti have legends of weapons haunted by their owners. Could it be a voice-activated mechanism? No. It appears to be conversing with them. A reasoning computer that small. How long has it been since you were turned off? I do not know. When I am off, I have no sense of passing time. What is the last thing you remember? We were on a mission. I may not tell you of it unless you know certain cold words. If you could describe the positions of the stars in your sector, we would know how much time has passed since then. Without certain cold words, I may not describe our location. One of the settings on this weapon was a total conversion beam. We saw it. Tell us how to find it. Twist my winter shins until you reach the null position. Then... They've got it. There must be something we can do. Most peculiar. Yeah, then now it doesn't look the same as what it did when Sulu created the total conversion gun. That was not the total conversion beam setting. Like others, this form seems to possess no gun sight. It may be a broad beam weapon for use only from orbit. We saw its power. I suggest you fire at a very distant target. Very well. We can't let them have that weapon. They are not about to get it, Lieutenant. Why not? Assume you are a slaver war computer. You've been turned off. You do not know for how long. But when you were turned off, there was a war on. Now you are awakened by aliens you never saw before. They do not know any of the military passwords. They ask you so many questions, it is obvious they know little about you. Your owner is nowhere about. What would you think? I'd think I'd been captured by the enemy, or an enemy at least. 
And when they asked you how to find your most powerful weapon setting, what would you give them? Yeah, not that. Activate life support belts. And, uh, kind of uh, self-destructed. A disruptor field. Yes. Another conventional weapon. It appears the total conversion beam was the only thing the slavers had that we do not. And it killed... No side of the weapon, of course. It would have looked nice in some museum. It never would have reached the museum, Lieutenant. There was too much power in that one setting. If not the Kazinti, the Klingons or some other species would have tried to possess it. Yeah, because until you go boom, and now they're okay, so they get away on their uh, shuttle. They never see the other uh, slaver box. How the past sometimes it. breaks through into the present. That ancient war could have sparked a new war between man and Kazinti. Didn't you say the Kazinti have legends of weapons haunted by their dead owners? Yes. An ancient superstition. <laughs> At this rate, they'll never get over those old superstitions. And I think that is just about it. One thing I liked about this particular episode was that you get uh, a little away mission with uh, Spock, Sulu, and Uhura, which doesn't happen a lot. No Kirk there to take over everything. And so that gives it a little bit different feel, kind of like the Galileo 7 uh, episode of the original series. Just um, good job. And uh, an interesting idea of this ancient race and ancient weapon that's discovered and try to figure out what it can do, introduce these um, these sort of cat-like alien warrior types, the Kazinti, and, uh, and all that. So there we have the slaver weapon from the animated series. I'll be back after these credits with a little bit more. Everybody at Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, this is Ryan from Sunny Old England, or Data from the forums. Uh, this week, Rico is doing the animated series. Um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. I love it. Um, it's been a huge inspiration in what I've done in my life, studying to be an artist, um, doing animation at college. Unfortunately, I don't do anything like that now. Um, but to sit down and watch that on a Saturday morning rerun on Cartoon Network was a phenomenal inspiration for me, um, leading for me to see all the other Star Treks, um, TNG being my huge passion, I'm an absolute freak on that, but uh, it all started there. Um, I get a great sense of what he was trying to do, keeping the content very adult, using the writers from the original series, uh, DC Fontana, overlooking all of the writing. Um, uh, it's an awesome job, and it's just expanded that Star Trek universe further than I can imagine. It's let us see things that we would never have seen in the original series. 
And all in all, uh, I haven't got anything bad to say about it. Um, thanks Rico for sticking my comment on. Um, and I hope they're getting a little bit better quality. I'm trying to work on that. One thing I would like to hear uh, you talk about, Rico, is your thoughts on a possible new uh, animated Star Trek. Um, I've seen little bits on the internet, and I'm not convinced that what they've brought up as good ideas is good ideas. Should they return to the original concept? Should they do something from Next Generation era? Uh, or should they go completely into the future? Um, it'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh, uh, that's Data signing off. Um, speak to you guys again soon. Thanks, uh, Ryan, for your comments about the original, or the, not the original, the well, the original animated series, the animated Trek series. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of fun to watch those episodes again. I, I know them pretty well. I, I've watched most of them many, many times. And uh, you're right that they did keep it very much true to the original series, used a lot of writers they'd worked with before. DC Fontana, like you said, worked on the show uh, quite a bit. And uh, as far as a new Star Trek animated series, I would love to see that. I, I, I just I'm so shocked and surprised that they've never gone back to doing that. I mean, these days with computer animation especially, uh, you don't have to hand draw the cells. Of course, it's a whole different look and everything like that. But, you know, and, and again, with the popularity of the movie, they could easily make a cartoon series, set it in a lot of different ways or eras, uh, and it not, uh, you know, really be that hard to get up and going. The, you know, one idea would even be, it could be sort of an anthology, you know, maybe even, you know, have an animated series that, that sort of tells tales uh, in different eras, you know, every few weeks, you know, maybe... You know, here's here's the original series universe. Here's TNG style universe. Maybe then something in the future and so forth. But um, I don't know what they're going to do. I have seen those bits that you mentioned on the internet. I, I thought there was a lot of talk they were going to do something, maybe just an online animated show. So uh, we'll see how it all works out. I I don't know which one. If I had to pick, where how, how I would favor it, I I think I would I would prefer maybe something original. I don't care really what era it's set in. Uh, maybe in the TNG style universe might be the most successful because most people know that I think the best. Uh, but uh, I'm open for just about anything. But I think an, an original group uh, and crew would be fine. I mean, Trek has got such a, an established, uh, uh, just you know, encyclopedia of things they can deal with. You know, the Federation and Starfleet and the Klingons and Romulans and all that. I don't think you really necessarily have to use a, a crew that we know. But uh, who knows? We'll see what comes out of it all. Well, I just wanted to do a very uh, quick and brief uh, review of a collectible uh, regarding or related, regarding or related, just um, about Batman uh, that I didn't get a chance to last week. This is a, it's a Mattel uh, produced item, uh, Mattel Hot Wheels line. It is the 1966 TV series style Batmobile from the, you know, of course, the TV show. It's one one eighteenth scale or, or one to eighteen scale, whatever that you know, one inch would be eighteen inches in real life, you know, or one foot. It's not quite a foot long or anything like that. So, anyway, one eighteenth scale. The uh, it's it's really nicely done. I, I one thing I wanted to say is 
I'm just looking at it here in the box. I'm going to keep, I've kept this thing in the box since I got it about, I think I got it about a year ago. It looks like according to the to the uh, details on the bottom of the box, it came out in 2007. But Hot Wheels has put out uh, quite a few of these types of things over the years. I think they've done some DeLoreans from Back to the Future, which we're going to cover on the podcast here uh, in a few weeks. I'll, I'll say more about that at the end of the show this week. Uh, but anyway, the Batmobile, uh, this was based on a Ford Futura uh, car. I think I talked about that on last week's Batman. Of course, modified quite a bit. It's got uh, the model here has got rubber tires, the front ones turn. It doesn't have anything like any kind of light up features or anything like that. I know, I, I, I think I had seen online somewhere that they're producing a, a much more detailed, expensive version. It's not going to be done by Hot Wheels. I don't know the company, but it's it's a little bigger, I think, in size. It lights up. It may even make some sounds. I'll try to dig up some information on that and put it in the podcast notes this week, but I'm sure you can find it just by searching some of the big toy websites like Entertainment Earth and everything. I think that that one that I saw, again, a, a 60s-era-style Batmobile was going to be around a couple hundred dollars, 200 or 250 bucks. So a lot more expensive than the Hot Wheels one that I'm looking at here, which only cost, I think this was 25-ish or so, 25 or $30, something like that. But it, it's, you know, black. It's got the red trim on it, the bat symbols on the side and on the wheels. Uh, the, the cockpit inside isn't really that detailed, but you've got some of the basic things like the bat phone sitting there and stuff like that. Uh, it's got the little sensor scanner thing in the front in the center between the windows. It's got the little uh, exhaust type looking, uh, three jets on the back and the top. Uh, just, I always, again, enjoyed the way this Batmobile looked. The one in the movies uh, that they've done have, have been pretty cool as well, but there's something about the 60s style one. I I've, was looking around YouTube, I know, for last week's uh, Batman show to get different clips and things. And there was this cool, uh, I think it was at a wedding or something like that. Somebody had gotten someone who who had uh, or knew of someone who had a, uh, a Batmobile that looked just like this. They had taken uh, a car of some type and, and turned it into almost an exact duplicate of the 60-era Batmobile. And he, the the video, the funny thing about it was is there are all these people, and some of them fairly you know older and everything like that, and they're all just swarming and hovering around this car. It was just, uh, it, it was a big uh, center of attention. And uh, I, I thought that was pretty neat to, to, to see. Uh, and I, I think I've seen this too at, at uh, some of the uh, comic cons that I've been in, the, even in uh, the Michigan area here. They bring some vehicles in. They've brought in the kit, Trans Am, from Knight, Knight Rider, Dukes of Hazard, other vehicles, the uh, Herbie, the Love Bug, and, and, and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. The, they had the Monkeys car from the old TV show, The Monkeys. And uh, so, anyway, the Batmobile from the 60s series uh, collectible here from Hot Wheels. Want to contribute to the weekly podcast with audio comments? Send them in to treksf at gmail.com or visit www.treksandsci-fi.com. Treks and Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. Okay, folks, that's just going to about wrap up things for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. 
Uh, uh, please, uh, two things uh, I wanted to mention. Actually, more than two things. But to begin with, if you'd like to send a donation of some type uh, to the podcast, those are always appreciated. Just go over to the main website. There's a donation link there. Also, reviews on iTunes. Please put those up. Those are always welcome. I wanted to mention I put up a new updated schedule on Treks in Sci-Fi. I try to uh, keep that uh, a few weeks in it, uh, you know, ahead of things to let people know what I'm going to be talking about because I really uh, love getting your comments about the different subjects and episodes that we cover. So what I thought I would do at the end of this week's show, because i got a little more time, this show uh, isn't quite as long as some of the recent ones have been, I'll tell you what's coming up. Next week on July 19th, we're going to cover the, the uh, cool TV series, Quantum Leap, starring Scott Bakula, Captain Archer, uh, later in his career. Also, uh, next uh, on the podcast, after that, July 26th, that weekend, will be the Deep Space Nine episode, the fun episode uh, called Little Green Men. That's the one where um, the basically uh, the Ferengi guys, uh, Quark and the rest, go back uh, on Earth in time. So that's a fun one to watch. And the first one in August, August 2nd, is going to be a, a special podcast about the Back to the Future uh, trilogy of films uh, starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, uh, a favorite film series. And then on August 9th, we're going to look at the TOS episode, original series episode, The Changeling. And then on the 16th of August, I'm going to do something uh, a bit different. I've covered music different ways and different times on the show. But I want to just play some highlights from different musical soundtrack selections from sci-fi and fantasy, things that I enjoy, and maybe a few things a little more obscure that you might not have heard of, along with, of course, some of the big-time folks like John Williams and all that. So, Vartok, I'm expecting a comment of some type from you for that August uh, 16th show, so get on it. (laughs) Anyway, and comments are always welcome. Audio comments are great to get uh, anytime you want to just, you know, say a few words about something that you've seen, a review of a TV show. Tell me what you think of Warehouse 13 or a book that you've read or a video game you're playing. We don't get enough video games. All I do is play World of Warcraft anyway myself, but, uh, you know, tell me what you're playing. So, that's it, everyone. Uh, take care this week. Wish me luck uh, in a couple of days on Tuesday, and uh, we'll see what uh, the future holds. So um, thanks, everyone. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye for now. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons License 3.0. Feel free to play it for your friends and have them go visit treksinsci-fi.com. <laughs>